My guest for this episode is Dan Stewart from Damager, and we were just listening to I Am Made of Solid Gold from his debut EP, uh, Best Team in Baseball. And uh, we're going to spend the next hour getting to know Dan a little bit more and talking about uh, some of his uh, passions related to music and outside of it, including filmmaking. So uh, let's kick things off and kind of understand how Damager came to be. Uh, Well, I've been... uh writing songs uh for for about as long as i can remember actually um but didn't start taking it too seriously till a few years ago um i was doing a solo project uh when i came up to chicago for the first time uh or not the first time but came up to visit because i was visiting depaul's campus as a uh, prospective grad student um, and I came out here and I met, uh, up with a friend of mine, my buddy, Nathan, and he introduced me to, a, a guy that he works with this guy, Garrison Kretz, um, who coincidentally went to uh, college with me at, uh, Kansas and was 
a musician is a musician plays yep. with a band called john claude and the eclairs and also a band called a project called supermoto um yep and i uh i had met garrison when i came up here to visit and we started chatting about music and just got really excited about uh our separate projects and sort of over the summer that was uh january 2020 over the summer started talking about collaborating a lot and i was writing a lot of stuff uh, while I was back home in St. Louis uh, during the, the primary quarantine and lockdown from um, uh, spring and summer 2020. And so when I moved here in fall 2020 to start attending DePaul for uh, MFA film program, uh, I met up with him and we started uh, jamming together and, and putting together some, some, some songs that would become the, the project Damager. And uh, since then, we've gone through a couple changes in lineup and sort of in, in style a little bit. Uh, at first, we were kind of trying to do this more like post-punk new wavy kind of thing. But yeah, you know, that I, there's like a core of that I kind of got with some of the material I was listening to earlier. But the, mm. you, you were you're kind of going off in a different direction now. Or? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, we I like some of my business. My, I go through these like phases of, of, of interests with with like musical aesthetics. Sure. And last uh, last fall and winter, it was really um, this sort of new wave thing that was really interesting to me. And I've always been a big fan of like Joy Division and Interpol and sure um, Echo and the Bunnymen and stuff. Yep. And uh, we were practicing some stuff that was kind of in that vein. But then also I had some of these more like alternative rock kind of songs um, from the sort of initial iteration of Damager. Um, a few of them have stuck around and kind of got twisted and took on some new personalities, but, um, but there is still some of that in the album now, I think, um, uh, this like very guitar centric, but we were, um, we were a four pre four piece when we started now, now we're a three piece. And I think that's actually opened it up a lot more to this sort of like power pop kind right. of, uh, indie punk thing. Uh, yeah, like Green Day, Husker Du, yeah, uh, stuff is kind of happening a lot. How did the name come up for Damager? Um, it's a real. That's what kind of caught my ear first too. And then, like you know, I looked at your your the thing you sent me um, for the roundup that we did last year with your track, and then just kind of checking your stuff out. So there's like this like red imagery, which is just really powerful. Red's a real powerful mm-hmm. color, and then it's the Damager. There's this like not necessarily sinister, but there's definitely like this um, villainous almost kind of vibe coming, coming off of that. How, how did you kind of come up with the aesthetic behind that? Uh, that's a good question. I, I, I like the term villainous. That's, that's fun. I like, I like to play yeah. a heel sometimes like when I'm okay. on stage, I like, I kind of like that, <laughs> that feeling. Um, but um, I think it happened with um, a few years back. I was working on, a collection of songs uh, as a solo artist and i guess this wasn't even that long ago maybe this was 2020 but um when phoebe bridger's album punisher came out okay and i was like i was like really like just in love well i i love that album like super deeply but like the title was like punisher it was like right kind of villainous it was like intense but she's singing these very like soft ballads and like i would like kind really of a like juxtaposition con- right yeah yeah i like that contrast a lot and i and i like i like a lot of um like fast energetic 
heavy music, but I've never personally feel like I've been too inclined to write anything that's super heavy. I mean, there's there's some like fuzzy stuff, you know, going on with this project, but it's, it never gets like actually hardcore or anything. Um, Right. But I don't know, like, I couldn't tell you if there was any specific moment or or inspiration, but I feel like that, that word just happened. It just manifested. Um, And then this sort of like aesthetic and the the stylistic um, consistency is something I've always been a big fan of with um, artists in general. I, I also studied visual art in an undergrad and there's like this um, great appeal to people that have their sort of authorial voice, this like uh, defining aesthetic that is attached to all their stuff. And Funny enough, at the beginning of uh, in Damager version one, when I was doing more of the post punk new wave stuff, Mark one, um, yes, <laughs> Mark one, as every as the history books will know it, right? Um, it was more like I, I was attracted to the, the color blue more. Okay, um, okay. I did that. The music felt like it was blue music yeah. to me. Um, okay. like like uh, like Eve's Klein, uh, Ultramarine. There was a song I wrote called Ultramarine that was like part of the defining things that. Um, but like, that was all blue stuff. And then like when things started to change significantly, both yeah. in like the people I was working with and also the, the sound that I was sort of striving for, I guess I decided to sort of like rebrand in my own head, even though damage didn't really exist <laughs> in anyone's, uh, I right. don't know, like in my head, I was like, it needs to have a new color. And, um, right. I don't know why, but red made more sense. And especially uh, with the name. Yeah. It's, it's there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, one of those things too, like tying that to how, how things work on social media. Now it's like, that's one of those things like when I was kind of looking at like what you, what you had sent me and this is super superficial, like just, you mm-hmm. sent me a picture. I think it's still a picture of you in just, there's like a red filter on the background. Yeah. And I'm like, and I, the, the stuff I think about when I set up like my posts and all that from a social media marketing standpoint, I'm like, all right, this guy's going to get clicks cause it's red. Um, Mm. it it sounds really stupid, um, but it's like, all right, because people are doing the scrolling thing now on their phones, but they respond to whatever is going to be a stop uh, result. And I've been reading up on like, you know, you you have like a big block of like red color, white text or Mm. something real bold like that to break up the monotony of the seas of texts and and, and like white white background information and all that. And I'm just like, interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of one of the things that kind of stuck with me. I mean, we're talking about a very small thing about what you're doing, but um, I, I don't know, man, it works. I, I think it does. It works with the music too. It really, really kind of is a, a good visual vibe for that. Um, so uh, yeah, digging it very much. So um, best team in baseball. So, and then you come out with the title, which is like, that's another sort of just odd like okay pairing of like there's this villainous thing and then there's best team in baseball and like okay um do we want to we want to talk about who the best team in baseball is because it's such a Uh, subjective thing and it's like a very tribal thing too with baseball you know is that does that even like is there any resonance with any of the material that you've written with the title with that you know just kind of curious how you arrived on it for a title you release it's uh it's it's funny because it's kind of it's a it's a superlative like it's yeah, uh right 
and I think that kind of plays into the like, like you're talking about playing the heel a little bit is like, I like right. the, the, the gag of like, it's my right. first, it's our first album and we're sure. already the best, you know, right. <laughs> like for greatest um, hits. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I find that amusing. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what struck that. I, I think so. I grew up in a baseball family. Like of course. My, Cardinals, uh, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Cardinal the red, red and white. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> they, uh, they were, I mean, they weren't the best team in baseball. They were the hottest but, team in baseball at the end of last season, though. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, absolutely. But um, yeah, it, it's a tribal thing, though. Like St. Louis is very much, yeah, it's they're hardcore, a very Cardinals hardcore fan base. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, but yeah, like I mean, my that's that's a sort of like phrase that sort of rings out through my. Right. My growing up, I guess, because I mean, I, I don't know if that's something that gets thrown around in every town, every baseball town, like, you know, the oh, the Padres are the best team in baseball right now. You know, like the yeah. it, but it, I, it, it's not in Chicago because our, our teams are we have two and right. it, there's a division for one. And then, two, it's like sometimes we're the best team in baseball on one side of the city. Mm-hmm. but mostly we're not <laughs> <laughs> well this is i mean this isn't a sports yeah. podcast but you know not at like, all uh... <laughs> not at all right yeah yeah yeah. but now i live in i or I live adjacent to wrigleyville so i right i'm, I'm yeah. so surrounded by baseball imagery all the time yeah um yep 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 but that i guess that that yeah. phrase struck me as like just an interesting exciting um like like i said superlative and just like yeah fun statement of intent about like right this is uh this is a big deal <laughs> and so yep i don't know that that just kind of like those things just strike me yeah it, it's a really good like first splash um and i said that the tunes are good i definitely get your post-punk vibe uh with that and i could see where it gets a little bit might get a little bit more into that power pop territory or like punky territory so mm. that that's really cool uh so why why are you at the paul uh, yeah, I came, I, you know, I am at DePaul for the MFA in film and television directing program. Okay. Um, All right. Yeah. I, I, uh, I remember saying this the other night, I was talking to, uh, Michael from Nora Marks and he kind of asked me the same thing. Yeah. Uh, I said, uh, music is my mistress. <laughs> uh, like fil- <laughs> okay, film Duke is Ellington. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, like, uh, right, yeah. <laughs> he literally said that. So did, did he? Uh, yes. I, oh, yeah. Okay. His biography <laughs> title, but um, oh, this, is not, oh, this is not a jazz podcast. He does a rock podcast. So uh, oh, I, will, I will stay on target. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that subconsciously drifted into my yeah. head somewhere from reading that. I don't know, but yeah, yeah. um, uh, it's a, it's a cool line. Yeah. Well, yeah. So f- film is is the number one thing in my uh, my artistic endeavors. Really, um, okay. I've been making films since I was a a, a kid uh, with okay. the VHS camera in the basement with my brother. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, the um, went to undergrad for film and and visual art ultimately, um, yeah. and that was in Kansas, and lived out there, and then moved back home, and I was like trying to uh cons- i was trying to get like a corporate or commercial video job right. for a while just doing like but, production work and right yeah, yeah yeah and i did i did some like commercials and uh some stuff like just freelancing a little bit here and there and it's just it didn't really fulfill me um it's not there's not a lot of artistic input for that right. kind of stuff right. um but then 
I had this epiphany that I, I felt like I just needed to double down on, on trying to become a, a, a director. And right. I felt like maybe grad school was the, the next way to do it. Cause in some ways I didn't feel like I totally applied myself as much as I should have in, in undergrad. And so I was like, you know, the thing I loved about it was uh, meeting the people and, and having those like resources and opportunities that come with like being in that circle. It wasn't even about being in class. Like to this day, it's like class is whatever. It's about people um, in the community. And like, so I was like, I'm going to go to a bigger market with, with people yeah. who really care yep. and, uh, double down, go to grad school for, for making yep. films. And, and that's, uh, that's why I came out here and, uh, it's, uh, I'm still very happy with that decision. I cool. love Chicago and it's been, uh, it's transformative already in just the like year and a half that I've been here. Oh, that's great. Yeah. What inspired you to, um, like become a filmmaker or a, a, somebody who's potentially a director, you know? Um, I guess there's, some, there's all kinds of reasons. I, to, to take it, to throw it way back, I think yeah. that, um, like I said, I mean, it started in the basement with right. you know, the VHS camera. My, so my father is uh, still, not, not only does my father play baseball, and that's another part of this whole thing to this day as a 65-year-old okay. man, but he also is like in the production community for commercial oh. and corporate stuff. And okay. Yeah. So, so he, that's why we had the camera. He's right. a s- sports journalist. Um, okay. And uh, ultimately uh, worked at Anheuser-Busch for a long time. Okay. And uh, just that's why we had this camera line around. And I guess it was sort of like in my blood that, you know, between right. him and my brother. That's um, a bro- experience too. Right. Yeah. 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 They, uh, like it just like made sense and there's in my basement in my childhood home there's like movie posters line the walls like it's okay. it's just like the movies were the sort of like i thought everybody else thought they were like religious icons like i did you know like uh, it was just like surrounded right. by them i i always thought right. that like everybody cared so much you know so right. and i guess it was just like a thing that i could do to like have fun and have a good time with my brother uh just like make some goofy videos but also you know my my brother is just like really creative super funny guy he's um seven years older than i am so i guess this is just as much for him uh like him being a creator and being creative and then having uh his little brother to like i don't know jump jump off stuff or dress up like a skeleton or whatever it is right and so it started with that and i guess like just the thrill and I guess the, this formative, like, um, uh, you know, childish nostalgic feeling of like, just having the world be like at your command of of, like remaking the world, I guess, you know, that's, that's what film feels like to me. Um, and then like, as I get older, it kind of like even changed and evolved a little bit more. I, when I, became when i was about 12 or 13 i started hanging out with like some people in my neighborhood who were really into youtube sketches and youtube was sort of on the on the rise right and that was really exciting so then it was like yeah we gotta start a youtube channel we gotta be we gotta be youtubers uh (laughs) youtubers it's a paradigm right yeah yeah okay Uh, to me it's a totally different thing then than it does now too right um but like yeah, there's all these sketch groups and people that I really admire that I just really wanted to be like, I mean, like someone like Lonely Island or uh, 
my 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 personal favorite is this group called Mega Sixty Four, who I still follow to this day. They did these sketch videos, um, but then uh, then I got even older in high school. It was more about like pursuing journalism and doing okay. like broadcast journalism. Uh, and then again, I had this at a, this moment where I decided actually, you know, it might be movies like feature films. I love that. Right. So it's just like changed over and over again. I I just it's never not been a part of my life in some way. Okay. I guess it's it's kind of crazy. And music is is similar. It's also a parallel. Yeah. Yeah, it's similar where it's uh it also comes from like my childhood in the sense that my brother uh was was also a musician. And I I I tell the story sometimes that it was the night that I saw a school of rock that changed it all like huh. that. I, my, my 10th birthday. Okay. Uh, I got my first electric guitar. Okay. Um, because of that movie. And there's like that scene where Jack Black's handing out the CDs and he's like, pink Floyd, go listen to the great gig in the sky. It's going to blow your mind. And right, it's right. like, it's like little notes like that of like, yeah, man, there's such a crazy world of like all this like awesome stuff out there. I just want to know about it all. Right. I was always just always been hungry for that stuff. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I've just been like surrounded by like creative hobbies and habits my whole life. And it's just always um, been my thing. So with the school of rock, did, that's kind of like in one way, like um, the two kind of streams crossing. And maybe that's yeah. a bad metaphor, but um. <laughs> no, that's that's 100 percent uh, true because and right. like especially because. That's a movie that I think uses both mediums really yes, effectively together. Absolutely. And like the 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 scene that still gets me like choked up is the the montage that's set yeah. to the Ramones. Um, my brain is hanging upside down, and it's yeah. them sort of with that Spielberg stare of like watching famous rock stars footage. It's like that's how it feels all the time. Like, yeah. not not only music but like movies for me. I'm like, I can't believe people used to be doing this stuff. Like they were sure. they were living and making awesome things like right. i i still like feel like that all the time like my my personal instagram is always me like just reposting like pictures of david bowie because it's just, like i see a picture of david bowie and i'm like oh my god look at that guy right like, holy yeah. shit yeah. yeah i don't know i'm still that guy i'm still the characters from school of rock like <laughs> i'm just blown yeah. away yeah um and now i feel that a little bit like and now it just feels like it's it's more tangible now like i i feel like now here in Chicago and playing these shows and, and like seeing other bands, it feels like, man, I, I can't believe I'm a part of it now. Like I'm living it and I get right. to see these amazing artists yeah. all the time and like hang out with them, and see them play. Like, um, but yeah, that's that, that movie, I think in particular, I love writing a movies that involve music too. Um, right. Uh, yeah. So there's, there's there's a lot of crossover there and I, I like i like how they work together yep do you ever envision yourself doing like a i've seen people do this mainly out of the pandemic but like a video album you know where it's like just the video component is critical to helping tell that story of the music um i've seen a few people do that and to various different degrees of, I guess, success is what you could say from an artistic standpoint or whatever, but that sort of concept ever crossed your mind for any of the music you're writing? It, it did um, for, I did a, a uh, an album when I, for my solo stuff okay. that was a sort of concept album. 
and it was based on the drawings that uh, me and my brother and sister did when we were uh, uh, kids. It was we we used to do these like comics, oh, okay. and the com the comic was called Zillions of Fighters. And it was just like, it was just about all these different like heroes and villains. And they would have like a drawing of, of this character and like their, their, uh, their stats and their, their attributes. And uh, so I, I wrote all these songs about different characters from zillions of fighters. Okay. And I had this feeling of like, it would be really cool to do like a music video that went with every song. Right. Um, I know I did a couple videos for it, but, uh, right. I never, I didn't, I like, I didn't bring it to fruition ultimately, but, yeah. um, but yeah, oh. I mean, I, something I could like something I should return to though. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's also a ton of work, of course, as you know, of um, course. Yeah. Yeah. It's like making music in one sense. I mean, that's, that's one set of disciplines, one set of hours and hours of, you know, writing, recording, rehearsing, whatever, production work all, all that stuff but then the video mm -hmm. stuff it, it's like to me it's like almost exponential because you're dealing with so many other variables to to get right and and all that um but it just it kind of seems to me also like kind of the direction that things may go in like just with the future of music itself like we're we're getting really tied into this video medium now i think yeah. um like covid's really accelerated that, especially for musicians um of having some level of video presence that's, that's decent you know um you know some people have been just been doing live stream stuff and you know that is what it is it's a way to perform um you know as limited as it is watching something on a screen on a device but um on the other hand you know potential for like a really rich experience and, and from a, again going back to like that either storytelling narrative approach or uh, where where you can kind of tie in this other other side of things um, that's not necessarily left to the imagination of the listener. Now it's a, a viewing experience. Um, it could make potentially a, a richer experience. You know, um, I see somebody with your artistic background like really being able to capitalize on that. Yeah. Now I so I've I, at one point I aspired like maybe to be a music video director. Yeah, and I've made a couple of them. I've I did one um, for I did a I did a couple for uh, Supermoto, which is uh, my bassist yep. Garrison Kretz's. Uh, yep. Um, group featured and them, then featured them before. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, go let's go listen to Supermoto. Check out the video I did. Yep. yep. Um, and then uh, and then Geeked, um, yeah. which is a Christian, Christian Moreno's Moreno. project. Yeah. Yeah, his uh, his video for LSD I did with with him and. Um, and then also uh, Carter Schultz, whose project is Go Hang Music. And I did a video for him called Psychopomp. Um, cool. And uh, those are always really fun. I, I, I like doing them, especially because, again, it's like that, that, uh, that intersection of, of film and music. But there's right. also like sometimes I watch like really great music videos. And I'm like, ah, that, I'm just not. I'm not as visual as, as, as some of the great ones are. I, I, I prefer this like more traditional, like uh, artists performing the song style. Uh -huh. um, like, I don't know if that's like in nineties hip hop videos yeah. that did that to me, or if it's uh, just, just the, the means that I have, but right. You know, you see some great videos where they have like narratives or, or there's like high concepts, like lots of different, 
sort of uh, mediums involved. Uh, okay, cool. Just put up this video. Yeah. It's like there's motion stuff. So yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I watched that. I was like, ah, this is why I'm not a music video director by, right. by trade. But um, yep. uh, I love doing it. So, hey, Chicago musicians out there, hit me up. Um, yeah. But um, but yeah, there's like music videos. Uh, I think what, what's what's tough, though, is like doing like damager videos. I I struggle to make. I was gonna say like, shoemaker's children don't wear shoes. Like directing, yeah. your, directing yourself, right? Yeah, it's I like we did. I did. I've done. I've done one proper music video uh, right. for the single I made of Solid Gold, yeah. and that was just like it really was very simple setup. Um, that's we shot the that that promo photo that we talked about earlier with where I'm basked in the red light yeah. uh, on doing that video. Yeah um killed two birds with one stone um but that was just kind of like hey can you guys come over and and hold the camera and i'll i'll play the song and i'll just edit the hell out of it and you know maybe it'll look a little bit mtv um but it's just it's just like tougher to like do all that work after i've already right like written the song and mixed it and like it's a it's a journey. We're going to switch gears and spin up another track from Damager. This is Liquor Song off of their latest EP, Best Team in Baseball. <laughs> second 
hard to remain objective too. And then like you get lost in your own head, you know? I mean, I've run into that with cutting, cutting demos even. Um, and I've had people tell me, oh, you know, um, oh, you should just fight, just re-record it or polish it up and get it mastered. I'm like, I'll never get it done. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'll be in editing hell with like second guessing myself or this this little thing need to be tweaked here. I, I think just like having um, somebody, you know, like you're saying, like what you, you're wasting with your brother, but having that peer that sort of like bounce ideas off of or have them to kind of like listen and, and look at something or, or whatnot. Like that's a critical relationship as an artist, you know, having somebody yeah. in that editor role, that's not you as, cause you're, if you're the creator um, that kind of keeps you in check, keeps you honest in one sense, you know, cause I, I yeah. for me, for me, I'm a perfectionist. Like I, I could just sit there and just look, listen to like a, a two bar section all night and try to polish mm. that and try to try to get it. And then and like, I've, I wasted eight hours on it and I'm like falling asleep. Right. You know, yeah. For, for what, for two notes, two notes difference. Right. So, um, so yeah. I'm on the editor side of that. Actually. I, okay. I, I, I love editing okay. in film in film. That is um, just, I like that you can, you know, the editor is an unappreciated role on uh, oh, totally. filmmaking. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I think you can just totally recreate things or like, like I said yeah. about this video, like it was, you make you it know, direct, make the, get the point across in a much clearer way than maybe the artist initially intended to, you know? Yeah, for Being sure. To, I mean, to, to cut the wheat from the chaff, you know? Yeah. You can add like, you can add pace, you can add, you know, right. just like visual intensity. Um, but you know, to your point about collaboration, that's like that is totally necessary. I I've yeah. always been a very independent creator, you know, like right. You know, I mean, other than you know, you know, talking about my brother and stuff, but like yeah, uh, throughout like art school and like that's that's yeah. it's tough to be super independent in film. Uh, it is. There's just a lot of technical stuff going on too, right? Yeah. Yeah, but like I try my best to like I I like to write my own scripts and direct yeah. them. I'll uh, I'll hop in front of the camera if it's if it's doable. I like yeah. to shoot my own stuff, edit my own stuff, everything as much sure. as I possibly can. But then like right. getting a little bit older, I'm realizing more and more how like yeah. I need to let go a little bit and let some right. other people help. And yeah. you know, like for, it's speaking on like the damager side, it's that album is all like I played all the parts yeah. I, I engineered and mixed it I, I let my uh I was I was lucky enough to have my friend Ryan Pollock uh from kind of red records uh master it for me and that took it to a new level um but then now like when we play with the with the live band with with Garrison and, and my drummer Adam White um yeah. they take it up to a whole nother thing and like you know it becomes a, a so much better and, and this bigger monster than it was and like it, it always it constantly reminds me like that I, that collaboration is so key, right? You know when you can facilitate it though because and I feel like this might be an experience for a lot of of musicians these days, but it's like you know it's it's tough to have like a truly like a hundred percent collaborative relationship with with your band. This is like my experience. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, somebody has to maintain a vision of what the actual output is or, or what, if it's a message or if it's a size style or sound or somebody has to kind of like keep that in check and, and also keep that going. I mean, again, that also kind of parallels that role of what, what the editor is in one, one way of like of being able to determine mm. that, but like somebody is like the, the lead artist in the group or, you know, the front person in that case, like you have to have a, a vision of what you want to do. 
Um, yeah. Otherwise, it's just guys jamming, right? You know, yeah. pe- people jamming to be more um, succinct, I guess. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I find that too with different groups that I've been involved with. Um, and there's different roles. The successful groups have some some sort of vision in place that somebody's like kind of holding people accountable to and kind of uh, giving some framework around what the sound is supposed to be or the intention of yeah. the tunes, um, or if it's a release for a project, you know. Um, otherwise, yeah, it just turns into a bunch of jamming and and which is fun too. I, I you know, for me, I come from like a jazz background, so improv is great, but there's a point to that even too. Uh, with the people I, I improv with in my band, it's like there's a there's a there's something we're working towards with that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there has to be somebody who's holding that that sort of value, um, and kind of keeping the other members in check with that, you know. So I hear you on it- that. Yeah, I, I feel like for me, it's 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 um, it's like I, I I can write the songs and, and bring those ideas uh, yeah. to them. Uh, yeah. But but then, like, for example, we're working on a new uh, some new stuff and like this new song that I have that I'm like really excited about. And I brought it to them and I have this tendency to be I don't know, I guess my, my songs can get a little um I don't know, non-dynamic where, where it's kind of like, I'm at this energy level, the same energy level, right. Um, too long. And they like really were able to help me bring, like sculpt this new song into, you know, this sort of rises and falls and, and coming, coming up and coming back down. And like, it's just way more interesting now in a way that still it's like it still rocks like that's the thing I, like i want to maintain is like you know the the energy the punk rock energy yeah but, but like but finding like something that makes it a little bit um more unique and more uh, yeah more cinematic in some ways it's like uh right yeah finding finding those arcs and they, they really help me do that uh break me out of my my bad habits right yeah it's that that perceptive the perceptions of um you know what where where the journey of that tune can take a listener and i kind of how they're perceiving as they're learning it and figuring out like that can mm. be key because from an arrangement standpoint for sure um kind of wanted to switch gears like how how has uh playing been for you uh kind of in this post-covid context or post-lockdown i guess i should say context i mean it's been just awesome i i had one of the best weekends of my life last weekend honestly just being like this was the show at book uh, club this so it started with the show at book club and okay. uh that was um us uh super kick okay yep. cool and nora marks yeah um and we sold that out and that was just nice so much so much fun i we had so many <laughs> i i'm bad at taking compliments and stuff man but people yeah. were like yo that was so great i had so much fun and i'm like yeah. ah man stop <laughs> right. like it was i don't know the energy was so so positive and i just felt like everybody killed it and yeah. it was just palpable um nice. just a great show people were like really excited uh, really psyched um and yeah i mean and it's just also like that is kind of like the lineup of some of my favorite bands in yeah in the city yeah when i first moved here i feel like i built a little mental image based on you know some of the like i don't know the things i was seeing the most and i you know 
did a show on Radio DePaul for a while and um, from um, the local music show on Harper Radio, which everybody yeah. should listen to. Yep. Um, yep. Yep. Eric's been really, really good to me. Um, yeah. And just like the stuff he's playing and uh, the stuff I was seeing like on Instagram and on Spotify. And yeah. it was bands like Superkick and OK Cool and Geeked and Nora Marks that kept popping up. And I just yeah. was like so you know, impressed and in love with like this sort of niche of the scene and like, you know, having spiraled out from there and discovered a whole bunch of other acts that I love. But like, this was like, I got to pick the, some of the bands that I just absolutely, you know, dreamed yeah. of playing with. Um, a super kick was actually the first band that I saw live after the, the lockdown okay. in um, July, late July of 2021 um, at golden dagger. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just like maybe maybe there's like some bias of of like seeing a show again after so long, but also like I mean I still like I play those guys' songs every day. I just I love their music. Oh, that's great. And yeah. um and they've been they've become good friends of mine now. So it's yeah. like yeah, it's been super cool. Um yeah. yeah, so that that show was amazing. And then on um Sunday night, I went and I saw cut your losses and pink squeeze and boundary waters at, at uh, beat kitchen. Nice. And again, just like everybody's energy so high and so positive. And yeah, I mean, pink squeeze, just yeah. killer. They're, they're fantastic. Yeah. I was, they had like dance routines planned out and like, ah, right. man, I was, I was, I was, I was in love with it. It was so good. And then just, yeah, like getting to hang out with everybody, seeing Michael there, seeing Bridget there, yeah. Um uh Trevor from Totally Cash was there. It was just like all these people. It was a who's who, it was a veritable who's who of Chicago indie. Right. Um, that was yeah, it was just so much fun. It was like um it was like the uh the meet me in the bathroom of Chicago indie. <laughs> like it was like uh except for less pretentious than that book, but uh yeah, 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 yeah no, it was there's awesome. De there's definitely a new uh I guess you could say class or a new group that's really kind of popping up, and you've named pretty much all the ones I've been aware of there's a bunch of others that have kind of also been bubbling up over the last year but it's really good to see that um yeah you know things were pretty bleak for a while i had a lot of i know a lot of friends who've kind of left music um some of it is just because the covid thing just kind of just decimated everything for them what they've invested mm. into their their either careers or just their projects overall um but yeah it, coming back and then in the last year of when i was doing those um roundups you know um and then just seeing like this flux of new bands come in and i'm like listening to this stuff and it's like oh man this is really fantastic you know and it's a it's a new generation of people too i mean you guys are are from, from my perspective quite a bit younger yeah. um but it's nice to see like all right there's there's here here's 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 the new kids coming in and you're not really kids but like um all right there's this whole new scene of music coming down and it's all, you know, a lot of it's really just fantastic stuff. You know, it's, it's nice to see that and it's thriving, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so hopefully just, just, there's just more of that happening and um, you know, kudos to Donnie at Golden Dagger too. He oh, yeah. uh, rebranded that place. I have yet to get over there for my iced coffee. Um, I'm a coffee addict. Um, yeah. And I've, I've, for me, this is a sidebar conversation. We'll get back to damager in a bit. Um, so it's nice to see venues that, um, aren't so focused on getting people shit based. 
yeah um for me um i like to go to a venue and like really just fully enjoy the music and what for me what better way than have like a nice nice coffee or something where i don't have to like feel like i have to buy a beer or buy a bunch of cocktails or whatever it is to enjoy that and that, that's kind of a neat uh paradigm shift um with venues that i've enjoyed don't get me wrong i, I do love my drink um and i do have a beer once in a while but like um and more importantly it's just nice to see like this, this this kind of thought process that's coming out with the venues now of how they're putting shows together there's they just seem to be more intent intentional with the way the bills are structured um i don't know if you know you as um performers are dictating that or if the talent buyers are just really kind of keen on what's going on they're paying attention they're putting these bills together um because the before times it was a uh, depending on where you would play, it was real hit or miss of who you're mm-hmm. playing with. But now it just seems like the right bands are playing together when I see most of the show bills that come across or invites that come into my inbox. So that's a huge positive for me. And then, yeah, all these other little guys like myself who are doing stuff, uh, local music show, and then um, you're on Ox Populi. I love what they do. Um, yeah. They're, they're Shout pillars. out to Andy. Yeah, good people. Um, I don't know them personally. It, it's just we're in similar spaces. And then I had uh, Dan from Underbelly Hours on last week. He's involved yeah. with them too. Um, so we're all kind of in a very similar space, but we have a little bit of a different hook on that. And it's nice that there's this sort of community now that's really supporting our, our music scene. Um, it's small stuff, but it's just there's there's just more people who keep doing it again and over and over again because there's we're creating these outlets now for y'all. So and um, coming at it from myself being a musician as well, it's like it's much needed. So it's just nice to see the scene taking care of itself in that sense from a media standpoint. So um, yeah, I yeah. I think it's probably a result of this feeling that right. it's a very precious thing. That, yes. Oh, know, absolutely. You know, Right. That um, going to shows. Yeah, yeah. Like it could, it could end at any time, you know? So there's like, right. Or when you lose a huge venue, you know? Right. Yeah. Like when a uh, golden dagger went up, what was it? December when they had the fire. Um, and I was like, man, like he just opened, you know, like literally yeah. he's open, not even a year he's been open and, but yet recovered of course, you know, but yeah, it, it, you know, it's just, it's that, that hits more now, you know? Mm-hmm. Venues used to come and go before. It's like, yeah, somebody else will buy it and just open it up, and there'll be another talent buyer there and play shows there somewhere. But yeah, now 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 it hits a little bit more because we've had that year of no shows, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah. No, the 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 Golden Dagger has really been the sort of HQ. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, love love that venue and and all the bands that get to play there. And, and shout out to Donnie and and Zoe Zoe for uh, yeah for doing such great work. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's just a great atmosphere. Like you said, it's like, I don't, it doesn't feel like, yeah, getting, you know, a place to get fucked up. It's like a place right. to like enjoy great music every night. I, I feel yeah. like I have this feeling of like, Hey, if I have a free night, I'm going to check and see what's on the schedule there and, and yeah. you know, pop out. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And I feel like I'm going to end up seeing people I know. So that's, oh, yeah. you know, a lot of fun. Uh, the, honestly, the, actually the book club has, has like really uh, come into the fray, but it's more so because I, I live very ah. close to it. Okay. Uh, but right. uh, that's, uh, yeah. you know, that, that the similar thing, like, I mean, that's even more like DIY where it's just like anytime, yeah. anyone, you know, let's, and, let's have a good time. 
that to me is the canary in the coal mine for our music scene. If there's new DIY places that are popping up that are holding healthy shows, like you were saying, and yeah. they do it, they're able to do it consistently with either out getting shut down or out getting messed with by various entities. Um, that's great. Yeah, our our scene is in good shape then, or you know, so that's yeah. just fantastic stuff. Um. So is there any uh, new material in the works for Damager? Yeah, the new stuff, like, I'm still working out, like, what's going to happen with it or, like, how I'm going to do it. I, I, since I recorded everything on the, on the, on the best team in baseball record, like, by myself yeah. and, um, and very DIY. And I, I would like to take it up a notch. I, uh, there's sort of a healthy feeling of competition within me. I'm like, man, yeah. I'm just releasing such great music. I, I have to, like, I want to, Ah, I gotta hit that uh, that feeling of, of prestige. Um, ah, yeah. And uh, so, so there's a little bit of that in me. I, I'll probably still like incorporate some some like tracking on my own, but there's yeah. a yeah, a greater desire to like put out like a even higher quality record. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, the other the other big projects going on is um, and this kind of will. I feel like circle around the whole thing is I'm, I'm working on a, a feature film. I'm working on developing and pre-production on, on a feature that uh, I'm hoping to shoot this summer. And the topic of this film is the Chicago music scene. Um, okay. Awesome. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a scripted narrative feature film, but uh, it's uh, it's about the experience of being in a local band and uh, the, the trials and tribulations that come with being like actually indie. I, I think I, I usually try to refer to something like, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody where it's like about a band that just gains like instant success and everything's magical and, and awesome. But I feel like nobody's made the movie about like actually being in a DIY band and like how hard that that is and how much like passion it demands from you. Absolutely. Um, and, and I love, uh, you know, something like uh, Clerks or um, Slacker, the Richard Linklater film. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. These uh, portrayals of, you know, a community and a scene in the world and being sort of of and by and for the scene in this way. And the plan is to use real venues and, and shoot real bands and real shows. And um, yeah, I'm super excited about it. We've been working on it for a long time now. It's an idea that that first came to me a few years ago um, when I was in St. Louis and, and hanging out with the bands there. Yeah. And now that I'm here, I feel like there's like this amazing opportunity to, to, uh, to do this. So um, yeah, we're working on that and it's coming down the pipeline. There'll be like a, a crowdfunding movement at some point. And um, oh, okay. Yeah. So eventually, you know, keep, keep your ears open and yeah, uh, yeah, working on that. I'm super excited about it. That's that's something that's on my mind all the time. It's uh, that's been that's the big fantastic. Yeah. So Dan, thanks so much for coming on. It was great chatting with you about um, you know what you got up to with Damager and your your upcoming project uh, for your film. And yeah. uh, good luck with everything. And uh, folks, you can check out Damager on RockinChicago.org with this episode and uh, Dan's uh, shout out playlist. Um, of bands you can uh, check out uh, on their sites and uh, future show dates. Uh, take care, man. It's good chatting with you. Thanks so much, Eric. Thanks for having me. 
We got one more tune for you off of uh, Damager's EP, Best Team in Baseball. This is Tired Bad. And thanks so much for listening tonight. If you like what you hear, check out Damager on rockinchicago.org with this episode. Be featured for the next week along with Dan's playlist. And also uh, check out damager.bandcamp.com. As always, be kind and see you next time. See you.